Welcome to Fringe Division. Division, a spoiler-free Fringe Rewatch podcast. I'm Jimmy. And I'm Martin. Today we'll be discussing In Which We Meet Mr. Jones, which aired on Fox on the 11th of November 2008. It was written by J.J. Abrams and Jeff Pinkner, and directed by Brad Anderson. Good old J.J. Abrams. I really wanted to say that, but you tell me off if I mess around with the intro. I know, I do. But Brad Anderson directed the movie The Machinist. Oh, the one I always assumes is a Chris Nolan film. Yeah, the one starring super skinny Christian Bale. Yeah, he directed that. Okay, Martin, so what did you think of episode 7 of season 1 of Fringe? Best episode yet. Yeah? It had a really nice pacing to it, and the characters' arc related to the ongoing arc Mm -hmm. in a way it sometimes doesn't when it's just someone has a uh, plug people's nose machine to find out secrets. Yeah. Or, you know, disease of the week or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it felt like the overall plot was moving forward and we didn't even need a trip to Massive Dynamics. No, that's true. And we barely even had Charlie in it. In fact, when Charlie turns up later on, uh, because Broyles phones... No, Broyles answers the phone... And then it cuts to, hey, it's, it's Charlie Francis. And I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, Charlie's in this. <laughs> I forgot he was a character in the show. Jeff Pinkner, who uh, co-wrote the episode, he said that um, the first six episodes of season one served as a prologue and that the following episodes beginning with this one would be the next chapter in the story. Yeah, I think I'm right in saying that the first six episodes is like, if you survive that, on network TV, you've survived the first chopping block, mm-hmm. and they'll often view the first six episodes almost as six pilots because you're going to need to keep everyone up to speed as if it's the first episode they've tuned into because it might well be. Mm-hmm. And once you've sort of got past that, you can start building on it. Um, this is more true, you know. 10, 12 years ago than it is today where everything's just dumped up on your streaming service of choice, mm-hmm. you know, in one lump sum. But certainly back then and on the big networks, that's how it was uh, seen. Yeah. But for all the talk of, like, um, streaming services, you can just go online and watch whatever you want, that's not specifically true. <laughs> there's there's loads of shows that I would like to watch, rewatch, or whatever or ones I never got to see, and they're not available. So, I just wanted to say that, Martin. Right to your MP! I can't help you with that. I'm just saying that a lot of shows now are written and produced and released 
in a way that means the first six episodes don't have to be so precious. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, since you're only likely to get ten in a season, treating the first six episodes as, you know, continuous pilots, it's probably not going to do you very much good. Do you think that it's better with shows that are only about ten episodes? Or do you miss, like, 22 episode seasons? Both. I am an ongoing mess of paradoxes and contradictions, Jimmy. I really am. Yeah. Well, that you're famous for that. But um, I was just thinking that because 22 episodes was something that I, I enjoyed when I was younger because I was getting more of the thing I liked. But now it's like, now I know how stories work and how structure works sometimes, not all the time. Um, it's like... It's probably better being 10 episodes because then the story can get told better. Well, that's the argument is that if it's only 10 episodes and they've just taken the boring episodes out, um, but that's not always necessarily true. So uh, I think there were shows that had 22, 24, 26 episode seasons that were, you know, went whole seasons without any real stinkers. And there were... Name one. Babylon 5. Did Babylon 5 go 22 episodes? Yeah. All written by the same guy. Well, that's impressive. And he's not even British. <laughs> you just named one, Martin, out of, like, many shows. And I think the majority of shows um, fail. Not fail, but they sort of falter when they're 22. I mean, look, like, see if you look at a show like 24, which... The, the clue of how many episodes are in the season is in the, the name, right? I'm still angry that the season is not 24 hours long. It's No, it's not, but it's this, they take into account the adverts. They shouldn't have. You know, they should have called it like 2345. But they lied to me, Jimmy. They knew what they were doing. <laughs> no, but it's still, it's still 24 hours in the day of Jack Bauer. Because he still he still has that fifteen that's fifteen minutes of time. When we have the fifteen minutes of adverts, he's still kicking around. That's how he gets from A to B sometimes is during the adverts. So was <laughs> so, the mini series that they did on Sky, was that just like an afternoon? No, it's it was still a twenty four hour period, but they jumped the time jumped, um the one that was set in London. I would argue that for example, a series like Buffy, whilst it may have some less optimal episodes in a season, I would say that the number of suboptimal episodes was less than 12. Right, but I think a season like season 4 of Buffy would have benefited from, from having less episodes, I would argue. Maybe even... Maybe season 6. Not like 10 episodes... But you know, I can't. I can't rewatch season six of Buffy. It it destroys me. It destroys my very soul watching that season, Martin. Oh yeah, that's because season six is terrible. I'm not going to make an argument for <laughs> there being more episodes than season six of Buffy. You're being ridiculous. <laughs> well, fuck me then, I guess. <laughs> I think you've just convinced me. Let's destroy over half of every season of all television from history. Yes. Let's go through the plot. Agent Mitchell Loeb. Um, Loeb. 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 It just sounds weird coming from a Scottish accent. Loeb. Agent Mitchell Loeb 
a friend of Broyles, is on a group mission in Weymouth, Massachusetts, but fails to find evidence of wrongdoing in a truck they targeted. Uh, Loeb and Broyles are in a meeting afterwards when Loeb collapses seemingly of a heart attack or a seizure. Uh, He is rushed to hospital with the medical staff cut open his chest only to find his heart a b- piranha plant from Super Mario Brothers yeah that's exactly what it is um uh, yeah only to find his heart has been constricted by a synthetic parasite um the right okay so we were watching this opening scene right I didn't mm-hmm. think this opening scene was as strong as others that we've had for those that are interested, we watch it in a special uh, podcast screening room where uh, Jimmy has one sofa and I have the other, uh-huh. and uh, we share a big bowl of popcorn. We do, but we're still social distanced. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really big bowl of popcorn, so our hands don't touch. And we're wearing gloves. And we're wearing gloves and masks, so it's all right. But um, and you wore a visor today, mm-hmm. and I was like, why did you wear that? That looks really strange. Which but, I thought was pretty ironical coming from you inside your hazmat suit. Well, you see, I like the hazmat suit, but I don't think I'll wear it again because it makes a lot of noise. There's a lot well, of I rustling just, and we can't hear the episode. I just think the way that you've cut holes for your knees, like those trendy jeans, makes it redundant. It does. Yeah, that's, yeah you have a point there, actually. I just wanted to look cool, Martin. I'm 44 years old. I, I don't have any more years of coolness left. Right. Oh, you're just about to come retro. That's the coolest of all. <laughs> yeah, retro is cool. Yeah. I can barely walk up the stairs anymore, but at least I'm fucking cool. Right. You're almost old enough to move to California and become a school librarian. Ooh. A Buffy refle- reference. I can't say reference, but yeah, one of those. Right, so what would you think of the, this this opening? Because I don't think it was as good as the other ones we've had, apart from the parasite, which is freaky as fuck. I was texting on my phone to be honest. Um, <laughs> no, it was not the fringiest of fringe no. pre-titles. It has to be said. It um, was um, Broyles having a chat with someone who collapses, which we've seen weirder things in adverts for breakfast cereals yeah um when you uh when you saw the doctor get the thing to open the rib cage to do the surgery mm-hmm. um was that a cold open uh cold opens what they call the pre-title bits i know martin i was just didn't want to dignify that with a response although i will say that when i saw that happen that whole like surgery scene i was thinking about you and how squeamish you are so <laughs> <laughs> I'm not squeamish. I looked at that on my big screen totally. Uh, I didn't look away. Uh, I couldn't see you because, you know, I was in the hazmat suit. So every time I turned my head, I was just like seeing the inside of the helmet. So Well, it was whilst you'd convinced yourself a face hugger had managed to get in. Um, French Division, Olivia, Walter and Peter are briefed by Broyles, who then shows him that shows them the hosp- hospitalised lobe. At Harvard, the bishops run tests on Loeb while Olivia talks to, with um, Loeb's wife, Samantha. Not recognising the parasite, Walter pokes it with a blade, because of course he does, in an attempt to remove it, and it constricts tighter around Loeb's heart, further endangering, endangering his life. Olivia 
has learned her lesson from a previous episode and not let the loved one of someone near the body of someone um, from that episode where she got tricked into the guy cutting open the woman's hand, remember? Yes. Yes. That's like character development or something. I think it actually is. Because straight away she's like, nope, 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 nope. no you're not. Let's hope no one else makes that mistake this episode, eh? Well, see, Olivia's not there, so it happens. (laughs) If Olivia was there, that would not have happened. That's all I'm saying. Walter is able to get a tissue sample while Peter administers some medicine to calm Loeb's heart. After a DNA analysis, Walter discovers a pattern... A pattern? (laughs) Too organised to be accidental, too perfect to be natural. That was my line of the week. Uh, Astrid thinks... It is a Caesar cipher, and she and Olivia decipher the acronym ZFT. After talking to Broyles, Olivia is directed to talk to Robert uh, David Robert Jones, biochemist being held in uh, a prison in Germany. Played by Jared Butler. No, Jared Harris. Played by Jared Harris, a.k.a. that guy I always refer to as him or for fringe. Yeah, yeah, or Jared Butler. Right, so the... Weisen Shaft um, uh, Prison uh, Weisen Shaft Weisen Shaft or whatever the fuck it's called is German for science so the name of the prison is Science Prison right so I like Sassy Olivia by the way Sass Livia as the cool kids call her Sass Livia uh, because when she's like talking to Broyles and says that Broyles doesn't know her well enough I like that Say that, Olivia. Yeah. Uh, I like it when Olivia's given a personality. Oh, it's nice, isn't it? It is. It is. I bet it's going to happen a lot more going forward, given your reaction. Well, I I hope so, because I do like Olivia, so there must be a reason why I like Olivia, the character, because I do like her. So, I mean, my memory is so bad that... There were things in this episode that I have seen that I forgot everything about, apart from the fact that Jared ha- Jared Harris is in it. Mm-hmm. That was it. I I don't remember, and I remember the Amber bus in one of the episodes, the Ember bus, whatever it is, Amber Ember that bus, um, mm-hmm. and the head exploding in another episode. I remember the gore more. That's quite strange. Sounds about right for you, though. It does, actually, yeah. I do remember um, gory things more than anything in movies and TV shows. Mm. There was another bit where, I mean, everybody just sort of has a go at Broyles in this episode. Well, he is a bit of a silly badger. He is, because we we see him at the beginning and he's being, we see a sort of softer side to him, because it's his friend, right? Mm. And he's worried about his friend. But Peter just sort of like gives them what for and Peter's right because more people need to realise just how, how how out of it Walter actually is mm. and it's only really Peter that seems to understand it like Broyles just says well talk to your dad or your dad's needing sorted out and Peter just says oh, fucking yeah duh I don't think Broyles is particularly well developed at this point and I hope they develop him more later and I genuinely can't remember if they do it <laughs> it's a good thing we're rewatching every episode, then, isn't it? It is. It is. 
Or it might not be if that's what we're holding out for and it doesn't happen. Well, you see, I remember Broyles... I remember Broyles being in it. So that's at least something. <laughs> yeah, but you remember Astrid being in it as well. Yeah. And Astrid does nothing either. Mm. They're just... They're, they're, they've got too many cast members. And he does just turn into the boss one. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Nina Sharp's not in it, and she's a main character, and fuck knows where the dead boyfriend is. Been dead somewhere, probably. He's still in the cast. Is he? Really? Yeah. It's it's um, Anna Torf, Josh Jackson, Lance Reddick, then... I think it's uh, the actress uh, Blair Brown. Then it's Astrid. Sorry, Astrid's actress uh, Jessica Nicole. I think her name is or Jessica. Mm-hmm. I don't want to mispronounce it because she doesn't like it when people do that. Um, and then it's with Mark. No, then it's Charlie. Then it's with Mark Valley and John Noble. I think that that's some easy money, isn't it? It is. He's been in what two episodes? One episode, like fully so far. <laughs> I, I mean, you get actors that complain about getting cast and then not having much scenes, but I think that would be a pretty cushy job, to be honest. It would be. Because he still gets paid if his name's on the screen. Yeah. Browse explains to her that ZFT are privately funded, uh, are privately funded cells in 83 recorded countries that uh, traffic in scientific progress, not weapons or drugs. Some fringe events in previous episodes may have been orchestrated by this group. Oh, it's like Spectre. Exactly. Behind everything. But at least we're finding that out in episode 7. And it's not like dragged out monster of the week type deal. And then we find it out in the very last episode of the season. We're finding out now. So yeah, what Jeff Pinkner said is absolutely true. This is like a new chapter. Yeah. Meanwhile, Peter and Walter discover the parasite has slowly worked its roots into Loeb's circuitry system and extended through the IV into the IV drip. They estimate Loeb has a day to live. Um, after meeting with old friend Lucas Vogel, played by Billy Burke, Olivia is able to secure a meeting with Jones, who knows the cure to the parasite slowly killing Loeb. Hooray! Mr. Billy Burke has arrived. Do you know Billy Burke? No, is he one of your mates? He is. He's a good friend of mine, actually. Uh, no, he he's one of those guys who appears in things like... Does he know his name's a swear? <laughs> Burke. <laughs> well, it's Burke, isn't it? it? Depends where you're from. No, but he's he was he's the dad in Twilight movies, right? I've not seen those. No, neither have I. But he's the dad in Twilight... Well, I've seen the first one. He's the dad in the Twilight movies. But he was also in the TV show Revolution. That looked terrible. Was it terrible? I quite liked Revolution, but the second season is terrible. But the first season was good. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, but yeah, he's one of those guys who appears in things. Um, I actually expected him to be a bad guy. Did you like the Twilight movies? I haven't seen them all. I've seen the first one. Not really a fan. Why? Just wondered. Charlie Francis, remember him, finds a sheet of code in Loeb's briefcase listing agents from their field office. Uh, they suspect another mole with access to high security level clearances and tie it to Joseph Smith to a Joseph Smith, previously mentioned by Loeb 
as a suspected mole after the truck mission failure. Although she's not able to talk to Rift Jones at first, he arranges for Olivia to be given a piece of paper with instructions demanding he first speak to Smith, a colleague of his, before he helps her. Smith is unfortunately killed soon after in a raid set up by Broyles. This was quite frustrating. You'd think um, Pacey would have uh, the ability to be like, oh, Broyles, don't shoot that guy without having to run up to him and being like, uh-oh. But he couldn't, though, because they, they had radio silence and nobody could get through to them. Yeah, I suppose, but it felt a bit contrived. If you've been on, like, special swap missions like that, like Oh, I yeah, have, forget about like your uh, swap yeah. path. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we have to go on radio silence so we don't get distracted, Martin. You know? So it's a bugger. You, you Some... have to mute Facebook Messenger. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's a it's a bugger because you know innocent people get shot in the head. Sometimes and guilty ones too. And guilty ones, but you know there's a lot of innocent people getting killed because miscommunication and stuff, and that's fine. That's mm-hmm. all right. But you know we do the job, right? But I do like I like that Peter gets something to do though. I like he, he's not just stuck in the um. He's not just stuck there going, oh, my dad's so annoying. I know, I know, and shouting at him. Um, But then, which he doesn't do much of this episode. It's true. Walter, however, devises a way to wire Peter into the dead man's brain, enabling Peter to speak on his behalf without Jones knowing Smith is dead. Right. Oh, I forgot to say earlier on when um, Peter, uh, I think he's on the phone, and he says, ah, damn it. The subtitles in my Blu-ray said, god damn it. Which would not be true. Hmm. You watched it with subtitles on? I did because of the German speaking scenes. Ah. Um, but they just said speaking German. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't actually say what they said. So No. But sometimes it does. I, I was gonna say, wait, mine weren't subtitled, did I miss something? Yeah. But sometimes sometimes that happens though. Um, on Blu-rays, mostly Blu-rays actually, DVDs are better I think, but sometimes you actually have to switch on the subtitles to read something subtitled. It's mm. a tad annoying. Um, the best one being Firefly just saying galactic language. Yeah, exactly. For Chinese. Exactly. We did, this didn't mention it, so I'll mention it. This is another one of those instances where Wikipedia misses out an entire scene. Oh, Wikipedia. But this... There's a reason we don't fund you. <laughs> but the scene with Olivia and her mate and the kiss, mm. um, I wasn't really a fan of that scene because it felt like it belonged in another show. Yeah, they didn't really have the chemistry they were hoping for. No, they didn't actually at all. No, they didn't have chemistry. I didn't believe that these two were once lovers. Sorry, lovers. I didn't believe it. Why are you Trump? <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> and so back to the back to the whole Peter getting rigged up and getting electrocuted scene. Yeah. Well, my heart sort of broke when he said "Daddy." That just Aww. messed me up. But I think that this this entire scene is like, well, this entire episode actually is probably the best acting that we've had from Joshua Jackson so far. Yeah, probably. Um, the whole bluff scene, I actually thought that was really quite quite tense. 
Yeah. Because it went to a part where... It, they set it up well, right? It does the whole trope of them getting it in the end, fair enough, but I, th- I think it's played out so long that you actually start to doubt that they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of wanted them to make sure it worked before they raise the stakes quite so high, but then have it break, that would have been more tense, I think. Yeah, fair enough. But I think that um, just sort of doing it on the fly works for me, because it makes you mm-hmm. believe that it may pull the rug out from under you. And it's, Peter doesn't just get zapped like twice and then he can hear. He gets zapped a lot. <laughs> yes, which is quite satisfying. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's like... Ten minutes of Peter getting electrocuted, <laughs> and and then right at the very end, um, and also that's not the rug pull. The rug pull is um, Loeb is the bad guy, mm-hmm. and this is all, uh, all a scam. I thought that worked really well, though. Mm-hmm. Smith's response is Little Hill, which is an answer Jones seems pleased to hear. Jones, Julie tells Olivia a formula for the parasite. And the subsequent procedure is successful. The parasite is removed, but the team does not realise the entire incident was orchestrated by Loeb and his wife to get the information Peter extracted from Smith. The final scene shows Samantha Loeb whispering Little Hill into her uh, into her husband. Fuck's sake, I can't speak today. The final scene shows Samantha Loeb whispering Little Hill into her husband's ear at the hospital. I thought the twist worked really well, actually. Like, you don't see it coming mm-hmm. but it's not like well that makes no sense you know they've set up enough that it fits but not so much that you're like well obviously yeah exactly because you're not expecting it you're expecting something to come from the whole jones thing yeah but then they just sort of sideswipe you and give you no it was low ball along he put himself through hell for this <laughs> to mm-hmm. find out this information that's actually really quite, like, sinister. Yeah. And elaborate. elaborate. establishes their credentials as baddies. Exactly. You know. Yeah. If they've done gone to this length just to find out two words, what more would they do for something actually sinister? Mm-hmm. And I can't remember if they come back or not. So there we go. Yay! Right. So, do you have a Walter line of the week, Martin? Yeah. It was words to the effect of to Peter... But uh, I'm very good at being electrocuted. You are very poor at it. Right, yeah. When he's talking about... Yeah. He indicates that he has done it to Peter before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't have a Walter line of the week. <laughs> I have a non-Walter line of the week. I have a... Ooh. Yes, I have a Mr. Jones line of the week. Is that allowed? Yes. Yes. I had an Olivia line one time. That's right, you did. Um, He said... He says to Olivia, you're very serious. You know that? And I just like the delivery of that. And it's true. She is very serious. Mm-hmm. So I like that line. Right. I was really surprised um, because uh, Mr. Jones has a very specific way of speaking. Mm-hmm. And I always thought, oh, that actor's got a weird accent. And then obviously he's been in loads of other things where he talks perfectly normally. And then to watch this again, and he's like, oh, he was just doing a thing. Mm -hmm. The Observer was in this episode, Martin. Did you spot him? I did. He was at the airport. Yes, but he was in Germany. Yes. So the Observer is also in Germany. So he's not just, you know, in America. 
He's he gets actually, around. He does. He's actually following Olivia around, apparently. The next episode clue from The Cure was at Holly's Diner. On the thermometer that Walter Bishop plunges into one of the victims' head, the initial ZFT refer to the organisation responsible for the parasite. So the initial ZFT were on the, uh, the thermometer, apparently. The glyphs between the um, adverts spell out the word CODES, C-O-D-E-S. That's obviously referring to the the CODES. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I heard G-O-D-S, and I was like, wait, what? That doesn't line up with what you're saying. C-O-D-E-S, um, CODES. 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 Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Codes. Codes. Yeah, codes. Mm, codes. Yeah. Right, so the next episode is... I'm going to start looking up these clue bits before watching the episodes to be like, mm, wow. Yeah, so you're not just hearing it from me. Exactly. Well, that would be good. It would be nice if you actually put some effort into the podcast, Martin. I told, I told you my terms when we started. <laughs> I'm doing fuck all! Right. So, Fringe Wiki. Go to the Fringe Wiki. And that's where I'm getting all the information from. Mm. The next episode is called The Equation. Ooh. Yes. And I don't remember anything about it. But the synopsis, the brief synopsis says, a young piano prodigy is abducted from his father using a pattern of flashing lights, which Walter links back to his old bunkmate at St. Clair's Hospital. Ooh. So... Walter has to go back to the mental institution. So that should be a fun time. I'm excited. Yes. Um, And we will be covering that uh, next week. Mm. I can say that because by the time this one comes out, we'll be doing this weekly, Martin. Hooray! Uh, Oh no, that's going to be more work. So that's all we have time for. Um, If you'd like to follow the podcast, it's my other podcast's Twitter, at DropThePilotPod. Uh, shiftybench.co.uk is the website if you want to send us some feedback it's contact at shiftybench.co.uk what are you thinking about Fringe so far if you haven't seen it yet if you have seen it yet um, uh, what did you think about this episode just whatever, just send us some feedback um, and be sure to check out the other exciting episodes on the Shifty Bench podcast network yes indeed where I have other podcasts such as Drop the Pilot and So What's the Problem uh, where can the people find you on the internet, Martin? You can find me on Twitter at the Fowdor. And YouTube. And Instagram. Yeah. And NanoRimo. And maybe just like hanging about the streets. Just no, defying, there's a lockdown. Just defying the lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> With my borrowed hazmat suit. Exactly. <laughs> right. Okay, so thank you all for listening and we'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. I did once price up a hazmat suit for a joke and it was disappointingly expensive. Dis- what, did you think it was going to be like a couple of quid or something? Yeah, it was like 80 quid. <laughs> well, duh. <laughs> I could have told you that. In fact, no, I probably would have guessed about 160 or something, so I would have been well out. I should probably get one for work.